Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tennessee Power Hour is here live from 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton across the Outkick Network. The Titans watch Derrick Henry once again show why he is the king at running back, why he is in the conversation among the best players, period, across the NFL. And in the second half, A.J. Brown came to life. The Titans win by three over the Bills on Monday Night Football. They get to four and two on the season. And on a short week, here come the Kansas City Chiefs. All of that and more we will discuss over the next hour. We start, though, with the Titans getting the win and what it now sets them up for. The loss to the Jets, the win to the Bills. Now they're able to get back on track and fulfill Everything that they hoped for prior to the start of the season, everything is now in front of them. Kansas City comes to town. You have Indianapolis right after Kansas City uh, where the Titans can knock off the Colts twice over the start of this season and pretty much lock up the AFC South from there. And on top of all of that, their offense started to click. The bad news, the roster continues to be decimated by injuries. And now it's not just the offensive line. It's in the secondary. Uh, A lot of details to discuss there as well. But first, the victory over the Bills. Paul, this was was the Bills' dominant in between the 20s. And the defensive effort in the red zone, where the Bills only got touchdowns on two of five trips, the Titans were three for three in the red zone for getting touchdowns. That's the difference in the game. That really was, and especially doing it early, right? That they're getting so outplayed early, and it's 6 nothing. So, I mean, you know, they come down, score a touchdown, they're up 7-6, and you feel like they've been entirely outplayed, and here they are up a point. It's this miraculous thing where it doesn't really matter what's happened statistically because they get those stops inside the 20. And... Uh, the red zone stats were huge. It almost makes, you know, they, they score that one touchdown from the 29. So it doesn't hurt the red zone stats, but it really is a, a, a touchdown from mm-hmm. there. The one where Jenkins didn't get, didn't get over at all and right, was completely right. lost. Um, but that counts, you know, too. Um, but it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. They were very effective. And this team, oftentimes at its best, just does the important stuff best, not everything best. It's not like uh, <clears throat> it's not too often where they play a sweeping game. Usually, when they're at their best, they just do the most important stuff best, and that's kind of what what they did last night. There are unsung hero elements to it too, like the kicking thing was just such a mess coming into the season, and Randy Bullock has been generally super reliable last night. I mean, you don't think about him twice. David Long has emerged as a somewhat murderous defensive player. He's all over the field, 
with double-digit tackles pretty much every week. He's made Jayon Brown an afterthought. Nobody's missing Jayon Brown. Had 14 tackles last um, night. You know, the only reason you're missing Jayon Brown is because you're thinking, well, maybe you could be playing Long and Brown together and get Evans out of there because he's not doing much, though he was better um, last night. Um, and this was the complimentary football that Mike Vrabel talks about all the time. And A.J. Brown, you know, statistically it wasn't massive, but they found something in the passing game in the second half that the Bills just had no answer for. So that was super complimentary football where Derrick Henry was carrying and A.J. Brown in the middle of the field was unstoppable. The Titans didn't have to do anything along the boundary in the passing game because there was nothing in the middle. And so Julio Jones was a non-factor last night except for that bizarre play with the bounce off the helmet, which he caught. Um, Unbelievable. And they, they corrected that call, by the way, initially calling him out of bounds and, and fixing it correctly and quickly. Uh, another call of credit to the officials. Um, but Julio Jones is a non-factor for this team right now, really. And A.J. Brown can, showed last night you can be enough. Now well, you're going to... I mean, it's, it's... I think you talked about unsung heroes, Paul, but... To me, guys, it was about stars being stars. Yeah, Derrick Henry continued exactly. to be Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, after a terrible first half, came out and played very well in the second half. A.J. Brown stepped up for the first time this year and looked like A.J. Brown. All it took was Chipotle food poisoning him to make him A.J. Brown again. So whatever happened there, for keep that up. Um, and Julio Jones makes a spectacular play on that tip ball and staying in bounds. That's a star-type play. I know... His production all night wasn't that Zero of a star. Zero outside of that, right? But Jeffrey Simmons, first-round pick, wins the game on a goal-line stop. Kevin Byard, with an assist from Danico Autry, gets the interception that turned things around early in that game also as a big turning point. I, we've been saying, you know, what has been the, the big complaint about the Titans? You whiffed on Isaiah Wilson, a first-round pick. You've whiffed on Caleb Farley. You, you've whiffed on Dylan Raiden so far. These are high picks that should be stars. What we saw last night were high picks or guys who were stars in this team step up and lead, and for that reason, the Titans were able to get a huge win. But you touched on two. Raiden's we didn't see outside of, I presume, special teams. And six Caleb, snaps. Caleb Farley, six, six snaps. Yeah, I mean, look, the Titans are doomed yeah. in the future. Caleb Farley in his one big, you know, his big chance to start Tears his ACL, done for the year. They're down uh, Christian Fulton for at least two more games. This Chiefs game is going to be a slug-it-out scoring affair to keep up because uh, you want medicine for Patrick Mahomes, who hasn't been terrific so far. Titan secondary is about to provide it. They're going to be playing people like Chris Jones and Brian Bodie Calhoun. Um, uh, who are going to come up from the practice squad. Everybody's saying, where are they going to get help? Where are they going to get help? They've got a short week. I don't think they're going to be able to go out and shop for cornerbacks. Their practice squad guys are about to become active. The second highest scoring game, according to Vegas this week, will be the LA Rams and the Detroit Lions. With the Rams doing all the scoring. Right. Uh, yeah, but the, the Rams are favored by 16 points. I teased that down to 13 and a half. Um, 50 and, put good money. and a half is what they're predicting. The Titans and Chiefs is at 56 and a half is where it opened. And it, it, at one point last night, Fandle wouldn't even offer you the game. You couldn't bet on it at the end of last night's game with the Bills. waiting to calculate their Yeah, algorithm. they wanted to see what was going on with uh, the Titans secondary. That's how banged up they are. The Farley we'll thing's into, tragic. We'll get into the full uh, injury report on uh, the, the Titans coming up and some moves that they've made. 
But let's let's focus though on the offensive line that did a really nice job Much better. last Much night. Better. Uh, they're all they're always good at, at uh, run blocking. They're really good in the run game and showed it again last night against a good Buffalo front. But they were also very good in pass protection and the the Bills did not blitz Patrick Mahomes at all on Sunday night. They kept seven back and this was different. They brought some heat on some plays against Ryan Tannehill and the, the Titans did a nice job up front of, of keeping him clean, giving him time in the pocket. Um, even though Tannehill was off the mark early, he was, he was not sharp. And I think he would tell you that. He, he rebounded well in the second half. A.J. Brown was a big reason for that. But only had three incompletions on, what, 17 attempts, I believe, in the second half. 14 of 17. Really, really nice job overall uh, by Tannehill in the second half. Um, and, and defensively, just to point out what they've done in the secondary last night, the Bills, they had their longest pass play was 31 yards. That's the shortest, longest pass play in any game this season for the Bills. They go deep, and I pointed this out throughout the week leading up to this kickoff. That has also been an issue for the Titans' secondary. Think about the Jets. Think about Seattle. They did have a 39-yard Arizona. pass interference. 39, yes, Arizona, Jacksonville, Um Big plays have been a problem, and for the most part, they did a really nice job against a deadly receiving core with Diggs in particular last night with Allen's arm. Over all things being equal, the the secondary, given the the, the shortcomings of what they had in the, in the group, made them work. Did did a nice job, and defensively, again, it was the red zone. They they stood tall in the red zone. They forced field goals early. And that's ultimately the difference. That was the difference in the Jets game for the Titans, and that's what the Bills are talking about as well. You mentioned the offensive line. We were talking about <clears throat> the depth of Buffalo's front. I didn't hear Rousseau's name, Oliver. I didn't hear many of those those names called by the by the press box guy, by the broadcast, a- any of that stuff. Even Kendall Lamb, who I think we all feared, boy, did he make up uh, for his showing in the Arizona game. Uh, didn't hear his name, which is a good sign when he comes in for Taylor Lewan. Um, so very good work by that front for, to no sacks. You get a couple no sack games and all of a sudden that 20 and five games, you know, you, you slow the pace and you're not on pace for 68 anymore. You get into uh, some sort of reasonable number. You're not going to do 24 like you did last year, but the breaks start to be applied. Um, and you get Tannehill into some reasonable thing. He's not beat up today. He's not feeling nearly as bad today exactly. as he's been feeling the day after some recent game. Exactly. Um, let's point out the defense for the Titans uh, up front. We, we mentioned how we didn't hear from the, the, the Bills front. Right now, your NFL leader in sacks is Miles Garrett at eight sacks on the season. T.J. Watt has seven, and then there's Hassan Reddick, Harold Landry and Matthew Judon with six and a half sacks apiece. Harold Landry with two more last night, and he's now third in the NFL in sacks. Six and a half sacks through six games. The guy's making some money for himself, and he's doing more than just getting to the quarterback. He's, he's affecting the pocket and helping. And, and Jeffrey Simmons as well. Um, th- those two in tandem have really boosted this pass rush. They got Bud Dupree back last night too. Titans have a finisher. Uh, uh, it's it's a, a festivist miracle. 
Um, that, Funny how know, that happens in a contract. Yeah, year. he gets close. I a love lot. I love players in contract. You years. do. He's got a uh, a new position coach. I think that's helped him some. Uh, but he's a hard worker who's been going. That's the question, Hut, about the contract year that makes it a little scary, right? You want to judge him on his four-year body of work, but you also expect a, a growth curve that should peak at four years, but you also worry a little bit about is the fourth-year motivation the thing that's really getting him, and what is he when you pay him? I thought Bud Dupree was active. You know, He wasn't yeah. Harold Landry last night, but there were a number of times that I saw his number uh, per, uh, in pursuit of Josh Allen when he's rolling out of the pocket or getting close to him, uh, which is an encouraging sign also. This Titans defense, you know, the, the numbers were big for Josh Allen, the yardage, everything else, but I, I thought they, they played well considering with that offense they were going up against. And then the Dupree, key is, 48 snaps, 62%. That's a nice number for him. And the key is that the offense – did what they're expected to do with a defense that is right in the middle. They're giving up yards. They're not giving up total points, right? It, you're able to separate the score a bit in a normal week. This is Buffalo. Kansas City's coming up. I'm not trying to compare them to a normal NFL week. This is the top of the AFC. The Titans, though, last year, they are able to separate the score because their offense was efficient from the jump. They didn't settle for field goals. They were very good in the red zone. Last night... The same thing. Efficient in the red zone. The Titans defense got a couple of stops and forced a couple of field goals. And despite all the yards that Josh Allen in the passing game was eating up, they weren't getting touchdowns. Titans hot are giving up points. They're 24th defensively in points, which is disappointing. But they're surviving that. Why? They're eighth in points on offense. Right. Right. And that's kind of the shape we thought they were going to have to take. And scoring like they did last night against the Bills, the best scoring defense in the league, that's something. That, that is significant, that they were able to do that. And they were more the offense we expected them to be. And that's without Julio Jones really being a factor. One right. catch, but really limped off. You saw my tweet. We don't sit next to, get, next to each other in the press box. But he came off the field looking really bad again. I don't know that he's going to be Julio Jones uh, on Sunday against Kansas City. They're probably dealing with this at least for another couple weeks. But I got to say, Nick Westbrook-Akina uh, was, a, was a contributor in that second half, the second receiver to A.J. Brown. He's not, the, he's not Julio Jones, but he did what they needed done. Um, and they're good enough on offense. They were against the best scoring defense in the league with what they had on the field last night. The explosion element was back with A.J. Brown. Yeah. And, That's the key cog in all this. And, you know, there, there was the one that he took going left to right across where usually runs away from people. He got tackled from behind. I was scared on that one about the hamstring because he got taken down by his feet. Uh, I watched him get up, and I was like, oh, he's okay. Uh, and he was asked, you know, usually would you be able to, if your hamstring wasn't bad, would you have run away from people? He kind of made a crack about his conditioning and stuff. There's still a lot of mystery to that. He like tried to clarify what he said about week 10, which sounded to me like they got to me about saying what they said about <laughs> week 10. So now I'm going to make it like I'm saying it about week 10. But it's, he, he basically said, I don't think I'm going to be totally myself until week 10. Coming up, we discussed the injury situation. It's going to be lengthy again this week. Short week. As they get set for the Kansas City Chiefs, 
We'll discuss what the secondary looks like. Taylor Lewan at left tackle left on a stretcher last night, um, but tweets out he's fine um, this morning. Uh, that's great news. Does that mean he's back in the mix? And and ultimately, can the offensive line stay healthy? Because Saffold finished the game last night. He started and finished the game. We'll discuss all that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Through six games, Derrick Henry is on pace, on pace, for 459 carries, 2,218 yards, and 28 rushing touchdowns. The record is 28. He's on pace for 28.3. Now, extra game helps him here to set that record. But 10 touchdowns for Derrick Henry. Six passing touchdowns for Ryan Tannehill. You will not find that formula anywhere else in the NFL. The, the, the Browns lead the league in rushing. You're not finding that formula where a player has 10 touchdowns rushing to the quarterback throwing six touchdowns through six games. The Titans are 4-2 and two with it. How long can they continue this trend? And part of that question will be answered by the reserves, the next man up mentality. And now it's kind of the next man after the next man up mentality uh, where they finally decided to play their rookie last night, Caleb Charlie, And uh, he goes down in the first half. He he tore his knee up his freshman season at Virginia Tech in his first game. This is his other knee. Uh, Pro Football Doc helped me out with that because I couldn't find which knee it was in, uh, in his freshman year. So he's now torn both ACLs. Had the back problem. He's had the shoulder problem. I mean, it's it, the, this year has just been a complete wash, you know. And so you don't say it's not the same thing as Isaiah Wilson, but in terms of what kind of play you get out of yeah, him, it's, it's not disaster. far off. You got it's, four snaps of Isaiah Wilson. You've gotten more out of Caleb Farley, but he's done. And now you're in a total jam. Your two best corners, or who should be your two best corners? Fulton certainly is your best corner. Farley should be your next best corner. And they're off now, uh, uh, Farley for the rest uh, of the Fulton, season and Fulton for at least well, two more put, games. Fulton hurts even worse because he was lost for the majority of last season too. Yeah. And now it's it's following into the same trend after he was performing and playing well. Jenkins, not that good. No. Uh, now as your top corner. And who are you playing? Chris Jackson might be out uh, because he didn't finish the game yesterday issue. with a foot issue. Breon Borders is in the mix. Then you're dipping. Elijah Molden played better. He's better with Amani Hooker on the field mm-hmm. behind him because they can offer the right support structure for a guy who can get beat over the top. Kansas City's certainly a team, though, that can beat you over the top. Hill is, is a guy that's going to line up in the slot. And then everybody's talking like the Titans are going to go trade for somebody on a short week that's going to play against Kansas City. The people who are going to play are Chris Jones and Brian Body or Bodie Calhoun, who are the two practice squad guys who've been around. Um, Jenkins' biggest contribution last night was breaking up an interception from his teammate at one point. When they had that was the the deep ball you talked about, yep. Hutton. That was very it. deep pass from Josh Allen, and Jenkins broke it up from the other player. He had a uh, pass interference also. It was a short one, but uh, gave away a first down. 
look, they're in trouble in the secondary. The pass rush needs to bring the heat. And, and rushing Patrick Mahomes is a very difficult chore. They've rushed a bunch of very mobile quarterbacks, so at least they have experience at, at that, and they understand the capture, don't kill mentality and all of that. But we've seen Patrick Mahomes crush this team with the, with the run right before halftime of the AFC Championship game. And this is just the wrong team at the wrong time, potentially. This is going to be a shootout. And Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Well, we Brown so. and Derrick Henry are going to have to possess the ball and shoot out. Kansas City's not very good right now. I watched a share of them against Washington, and I thought if they played somebody good this last week, they would have lost. But Patrick Mahomes against those corners, uh, that's a big check mark in the Patrick Mahomes column. The Titans will have to find their check marks. The, the thing about KC is you feel like that offense is about to take it to another level because Mahomes has already thrown, what, seven picks? It's, yeah. six, it's seven or eight. Um, I think it's seven. And one of these last week went right through Hill's hands, you know, one of those that doesn't feel like a quarterback mistake, but it obviously can. Oh, then he has eight because he had six going into the game and he threw a terrible pick. Um, in this game to Washington as well. Yes, I think he had two, and one of them was on Hill. So you, you think that that kind of levels out because it, it's very unusual to see him throw those type of just bad decision passes that go straight to the defense. Um, so, so with that in mind, and, and you have to expect that he's not just going to give you the football – can the Titans start fast? Can they? Are they capable? Of, I don't know if they're capable of starting so fast, huh? They they were last year. Yeah, I mean again, but like, this year well, we haven't seen anything close to them starting fast. You've you've been harping on it. You've had the numbers, and last night again they come out of the first quarter with the goose egg. Uh, well, the only uh, the the fast start was good red zone defense holding yeah, them defensively, to two field goals. They, defensively, they win. can start fast. They've given up twenty two points in the first quarter, but they've scored twenty points. They in had the first five quarter. yards on first down snaps to their first two possessions. Yeah. I mean, it's just they they get nothing on first down and it just bogs them down. They this faced a, a third and long twice. Um, they converted one of them. They had to converted that third and eleven on their what second first possession, second possession, um, first. But the, the the issue there, first possession, good protection, poor execution. Um, First possession for the Bills, poor tackling by the Titans, but they they end up holding them to only a field goal attempt. Tannehill, one of six for 11 yards over those first two possessions. And again, they, they've got to get more out of the group and put some points on the board early. If it, you said The reason I'm bringing this up, you said it was going to be a shootout. I'm, the only way it's a shootout is if the Titans keep pace. The Titans KC. have to hold up their end. But I mean, they should they be able look, to score against They just season. scored against Buffalo. And Kansas City's a lot more, well, a lot easier to score against than but Buffalo. The, the key with Buffalo, though, and I, I think it's important to point this out, they only had three possessions. Well, they, they had four. They had three possessions in the second half other than the kneel down after the fourth down stop. Three. They got 17 points on those three possessions. So they dominated the time of possession. I pointed this out earlier in the show. They finished by holding the football for 17 of the final 25 minutes of the game. So... Can they maintain drives and dumb it down a bit where Mahomes is on the sideline and methodically push the ball down the field against this Kansas City defense and make it more of a Titan style than a shootout game where all you have is A.J. Brown? We didn't. Uh, I, I, you hope so. I mean, I think that's what they have to do. What did you guys think? We didn't ask about this because of the way the game turned out. Titans had the ball, what, they're 25, 30 
with 40 seconds and three timeouts at the end of the first half yesterday in a half where they did very little. I was kind of surprised. The Rabel's usually aggressive in those situations, and they didn't I, I hesitate it was, to walk off the field. I thought it was very weak of the Titans to not try to do something. They ran for six or seven yards on first down and just let the clock yeah. run out. Where you they go get yourself a field goal. You got five situation. plays possibly in the amount of time they had left. Four well, or five plays to Buffalo get into the field goal the range. Yeah, especially Buffalo getting the ball back. I was and the other thing was uh, Vrabel not using timeouts late. It worked out because they got the stop on fourth down, but not utilizing timeouts to try to save clock. At the end. In the yeah. case that Buffalo scores a touchdown, you have to score. got to, to a score. certain point where he, he decided that that was going to be it. They were going to have to make their stand. But, yeah, if Hooker doesn't make that tackle, you're you screwed. No you're time. screwed. They've, I mean, they're ending the game with four chances What did he say post-game about it? Um, about the mentality to not call a timeout. That's kind of what he said, uh, paraphrasing. Like, he was thinking about it, and then things kind of flipped into it, it, it was too late. Roster moves today. Farley and Bats into IR, as you'd expect, with two torn ACLs, as I reported last night. Brady Breeze activated from IR. I don't know if this is a guy that can help on defense at all. Yet another special teams move for them not to be judged on yardage gained on kick returns. And Johnny Townsend cut, which means Brett Kern is ready to come back. So that'll what be is, nice. When is Christian Fulton returning? What is, what He's is got this two done? more games. At least two more games at, at best. And that's, you know, always us presuming at best. But it's a hamstring, so, you know, at least we know what it is. Well, it's we, not a we've seen bone. time and time again, hamstrings also don't go away. Look at Julio Jones. Well, they got a roster. When they store, they usually hamstring. come back. They got a roster filled with hamstring people. So, what are they doing in the secondary this week? I think you're. you're Who's starting? Jenkins, Jackson, if he's healthy, but Jackson's going to be questionable at best, week. I would think, right? Um, Borders. See, Borders is fine in the red zone. Yeah, right. He doesn't have speed, though, and Kansas City has a His lot of speed. His best defense on the outside between the 20s is to. Uh, DPI. Yeah. Defensive pass interference, just save a touchdown. <laughs> you're, you're not off by a lot. And then the next guy to me is probably going to be Chris Jones off the practice squad. Or Elijah Molden. You know, and, and then Chris Jones. It's yeah. not a, it, there's something lacking in that group and it's speed. If Chris Jackson's not there, that's a, a relatively, Jenkins is the fastest guy in that group. We are two weeks away exactly from the NFL trade deadline. So you better believe Robinson's on the horn trying to figure something out. You know who's available? Uh, this isn't the guy you want. Desmond King, uh, Houston, is, is shedding guys. That's the guy they traded for at the deadline last year for a sixth-round pick who played the slot. Now, the slot's not where they're most desperate now. They're desperate outside. Fuller from Denver? Is he in Denver? Kyle Fuller, the former Bear? Yeah. I think he's a guy. I I, uh, I I don't know what his role is in Denver right now. I think it's not big, and I think he might be attainable. I I, I think you gotta maybe think about being aggressive here. No, that's what I just said. I mean, yeah, you I better believe he's he's on the look at his secondary. It's a mess. It's always to. a Step mess. Stephon Gilmore would have been nice for a six round pick yeah. about this time. It's always a mess. No matter what they do, it winds up a mess back there. Well, that's uh, partly on their own their own doing. I mean, the, the mess is partly because they didn't. Uh, let's just injury aside, they didn't want to play their first round pick. 
And right, but whether he's their playing free or not, agent, he their tears free his agent ACL. is not uh, well. Th- I'm I'm not forgiving them for what has happened in the previous five weeks. And the ter- tearing the ACL is something, but they're playing the guy out of necessity, not because they wanted to. I know, but whether he played every game or no games, he tears his ACL last night. He's gone moving forward. That's that's bad luck on the depth front, and full, so they suffered two serious injuries at the position. Jackrabbit Jenkins has not been good. No. I mean, that's they, a free they agent to sign that somebody they better than hung that. their hat on. Yeah, he's uh, and you wanted him to be at least as good as Butler, right? And he's not. Well, they also it's bad luck that he tore his other ACL, but they drafted a guy with back problems, back surgery, and a prior torn ACL, and he gets to camp and he hurts his shoulder in practice, and then tears his ACL in his first yeah, actual two, game. Two injuries in short order. I mean, so, it's devastating I mean, for his development. Guy. He's an injury guy. As far as, from what yeah, we know dra- of him, he's an injury guy. an injury guy. guy. What was it we heard about? Hey, he's a top 10 pick, if not for the injuries. Yeah, it well, sucks that it's now a, a knee rehab. because And he's probably not ready on opening day next year. Or, or for camp. Is yeah, it, I, you know, it's a question mark if he's ready for the knows? start of camp. Who I mean, knows? honestly, it is, it so is more difficult to bank on anything right now with Caleb Farley, given his injury history and now this torn ACL. I, I don't think – I'm not saying they cut the guy or anything, but no. I'm saying you can't mentally start thinking, well, we get Caleb Farley back as a starter in week three, and then he'll be ready to roll and keep going. I mean, it's a total mystery. Well, Next they, year's there's first There's no development round pick. now. You can't take his lumps. Zero development. Next year's first-round pick must grade 100 on the health spectrum. I don't want to hang now. You know what I'm saying? He's got to come in – and be ready to go. Picture perfect health. Like, I don't want him to have had chicken pox. Well, and if you're going to draft someone in a position of absolute need for a team that should be a contender, the lesson here is don't take someone with injury concerns and then don't follow it up in the second round with someone from a smaller school that you're claiming needs more development, that you drafted a right tackle who's now a backup guard not getting on the field. Who you're not Eliminate both developed. of those things. How is, go draft someone from Bama, if that's the case. Who's ready to roll? Who's better than Rashawn and Evans? Bring them in because when you drafted him from Bama, he, or, didn't, or, he hasn't panned out either. Draft Derrick Henry or our guy Chance, yeah, Warmack yeah. also. So you didn't, didn't solve out. the problem by they haven't always solved the problem. Well, you by know what I'm saying? It might be Bama, but draft someone that played in the Big Ten or the SEC that that's used to it, so you don't have to fall back on the well. You know, he played at North Dakota State and he needs development. Uh, Taylor Lewan tweeted out earlier today. Thank you for all the thoughts and prayers. I'm all right. So. It did not look great whenever he was carted off the field last night. So he did give a thumbs up on the cart, and the Titans quickly reported that he had uh, movement in all his extremities and was being checked for a concussion. So it's a concussion. Now, how quickly is he uh, out of concussion protocol? You know, if Kendall Lamb is starting this weekend, then Dylan Radins is, you know, your top interior backup, and you've got to call up a tackle. Yeah, you're right. Thin, 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 thin. And the the protocol, I mean, the protocol is so individualized, right? Like, Yeah, some guys are back in three days, and some guys are out for 10 Although Lawan has bounced back. I mean, I, I can't – he's missed a game maybe from, from a concussion. Well, remember past, that one year? Had I think it was last year. Well, no, it was the year before where Vrabel called him like on Monday, and he's like, you're not playing next week. Yeah. Uh, don't even think about it. Worry about getting right, yada, yada. Um, and the more you stack up, the more careful they tend to be. So uh, I don't know what that means with regard to him, but he could well be out this week. 
Not Chad. Chad saw the had the best angle on the concussion off of TV. Yeah, it, was, it, it was an it was just an odd play. I mean, it was one of those that um, he comes in late. Henry's down, and he kind of dives in on the pile over the play, and just it looks looks like he just dove right into the turf and hit his head on the turf. Glancing and blow, glancing and blow, kind of stuff. Kind of sometimes are the worst yes. concussions, right? Yes. You see somebody take a huge shot. And you think he's going to be devastated, and he walks away. So there's no telling about the those sorts of things. Interesting well, I mean, he injury hit, report. He hit and was out. I mean, we have no movement when he hit. We have an occasion every week when the Titans injury report comes out at around three o'clock on Wednesday. We stop the show and read the injury report, and then delve into what it means for the upcoming <laughs> game. It's it's quite a, a appointment listening. Derrick Henry. Went over 140 yards. He had uh, three touchdowns last night. It's the third time, or excuse me, the fifth time in his career that he's had 140 yards and three touchdowns in a game, or at least 140 yards and three touchdowns. Um, the He's gone, he's rushed for over 140 yards. Let's see, 130 plus. Yeah, 130 plus four times of the five games. He's done all this, by the way, in five games, 100 yards plus. Because he didn't rush for 100 against Arizona. He's done it in five straight. All of his touchdowns have been in five games as well, not six. One of the most important stats there, Hutt. I mean, if you look, he had 17 carries against Arizona. 35, 28, 33, 29. Last, last night, they got him down to 20. So, you know, if he can run 20 for, oh, for I want to emphasize, They didn't get him down to 20. No. The Bills got him down to 20. Yeah. The Bills... Possessed the football for the vast majority of that game. Henry was on the sideline. That's well, that's what got him down to twenty, and then he rattles off this seventy-six yard touchdown run on one carry. If the game consequences get him down to twenty and they win like that, that's favorable for him. Sure, no, no, no doubt. Um, but it, it's not some game plan that got him to twenty. I don't think they were trying to monitor his touches last night. I mean, I think that we've become I, – I, They threw him I, the football quite a bit I'm last gonna night, too. I'm going to confess right now, I've become like a little bit Derrick Henry immune. 182, 113, 157, 130, 143, three touchdowns, zero, one, three, three. I watch it every week. I've gotten to know the guy to the degree you can get to know him, you know, talking to him twice a week. I, I'm undervaluing what he's doing because I've gotten – I'm getting used to it. I think – yeah, I think – that's why I harp on him so much with uh, the records that he's setting and, and the, the, the names that he's with. It's because we're watching the guy, the, the, we're watching the best running back in the National Football League at his best of his career, period. When you just put him in the scope of his contemporaries right now and then history. Mention the 140 yards and three touchdowns in a game. He's done it five times. That's more in a career than Eric Dickerson, more than Emmett Smith, more than Marshall Falk. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson did it five times as well. I mean, he's he's in the he's in the upper elite category of Pro Football Hall of Famers already, and he's, and he's about to go back to back with two thousand yards. He's about he's in he's in he's outpacing the league by like two hundred yards already. He's about to lead the league in rushing and be the NFL rushing champion for the third consecutive season, barring some terrible injury. I mean, the guy's a pro football Hall of Famer, and you're, you're watching him run and do it in real time. Take advantage of it. 
Make sure you realize what savor you're watching. It, savor it. Instead of just rattling off these stats like you're playing Madden. Because that's, that's not what the rest of the league is doing. The rest of the league is bowing to the king and kissing the ring weekly. They're bouncing off of him like a pinball machine. He also helped himself greatly last night. Uh, we talked about the national exposure of the Titans, finally, in that spotlight on Monday Night Football. His post-game interview with Lisa Salters was the best I've ever seen him. Hey, he's in an been interview, pretty and you could funny tell how excited weeks. he was. I mean, he was over-the-top, glowing, just pumped about that win, and he kind of ended it with a, thanks a lot, Miss Lisa. Kept <laughs> ran back to the team. But it was, very, it was a very likable moment. Not that he's not already likable, but I think for a national audience to see that side yeah. of Derrick Henry was pretty cool in that moment where they're, you know, seconds uh, just after him celebrating with Jeffrey Simmons on the sideline after that fourth down stop. This is a good point you raised, though. He, in the last 10 days or so, I mean, Derrick Henry's pretty dry and, and plain spoken. There's nothing wrong with that. That's his personality. But the last 10 days, maybe the last three times he's spoken to us, He's really been a lot looser, just kind of laughy. It's like last night somebody asked him about the A.J. Brown stomach illness, and he said, you know, what did you guys kind of do for him? And he said, we made sure we had enough toilet paper for him. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good, funny, quick one-liner before he gets back into business. And he's been doing that the last couple times we talked to him. It's notably different, notably lighter, notably funnier. Now, that may not mean anything. It means something to us, though, when we're engaged with him and he's not miserable to be up there for 10 minutes and we actually have some back and forth. It's, I don't know. It means something. Coming up, some other headlines locally as we continue with the Tennessee Power Hour. We'll talk about the Vols a bit as they go into and really dive into uh, preparation for Alabama. I don't even know if uh, Chad's able to come up with keys for a win against Alabama. He's on to the Braves. No, there is, He's on to the Braves. There's a big uh, – Braves not doing too well right now. But the, uh, <laughs> there's a big development today from Tennessee practice that we'll get into. We'll, we'll discuss this next on OutKick 360. Trey Wallace from OutKick, SEC writer, will join us tomorrow, plus primary complaints. OutKick 360 rolls on. Wrapping up what's been a fun show and discuss some balls across the OutKick network, which includes in the Upper Cumberland Sports Radio 104.7. Love being live uh, in the Upper Cumberland, Cookville, Crossville area there on 104.7. Welcome. Also, Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals from Huntsville to Muscle Shoals to Florence, Alabama. We're glad you're with us for OutKick 360. Hendon Hooker is practicing. That affected Vegas because people were tweeting right before kickoff last night between the Titans and the Bills, why is the Vols-Bama line falling? They gained like three and a half points last night uh, on, the, on the line itself, and people were like, what, what's going on? What does Vegas know? And it's amazing how, how they quickly they know. Uh, it, every one of these Vegas books has some confidential informant on they every do. campus. It's, it's evident more now more than I've heard those people, people that never that get talk found about out and get fired. I, I don't. It's a great question. I, I have no idea. But so the line opened at twenty-seven and a half. It went to twenty-nine early on. Bama favored by twenty-nine, and it immediately went from twenty-nine to twenty-five. Today we get the news that Hendon Hooker practiced. Josh Heupel released the depth chart. Hendon Hooker's a starting quarterback. There's no or next to it. 
Uh, it's Tyon Evans or Jabari Small at running back. I understand that you don't want to go into any game conceding anything in sports and life. You don't go into any day or any game conceding, saying there's no way you can win and we're not even going to try to win. But, but it would be very uh, wise of Tennessee to rest Hendon Hooker if he's got a knee bruise or knee injury that yeah. continues to aggravate against Alabama. Give him two weeks to prepare for Kentucky, the next game that is very winnable for Tennessee mm-hmm. on the schedule. Chad Withrow is conceding this game. Concession. <laughs> it, was, it doesn't even want to go. It was conceded in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was conceded. Conceded when scheduled. It was uh, conceded upon Nick Saban's conception. <laughs> when Nick Saban was conceived, this game was conceded uh, 72 years later after conception. We surrender like those who were in front of Van Schmidto after the prayer. Von Schmidto, actually, not Van I Schmitto. call him Van. <laughs> um, That's how I say it. Grable. I mean, it's... <laughs> That's a good one. No, it's... Look, Tennessee's not going to beat Alabama. So, they've got to get healthier. They need both Mays brothers back. Yes. They've got a, a, a walk-on at right tackle. That's the key. Who played better in the second half, but was not good. Gave up four sacks in the, in the first half. Against Ole Miss, they had a walk-on getting carries in the fourth quarter, Marcus Pierce, because they're down to one running back uh, because of injury. They're razor thin. You got a chance with some guys that have been banged up. Tyon Evans probably shouldn't play in this game either. Get some guys healthy. You're, you don't want to risk the catastrophic injury to, uh, to Hendon Hooker at this point. Then you get a bye week. Then you go to Lexington on November 6th. That with you know, Tennessee had... Two very close misses that would have been huge wins. That Pittsburgh game now looked like it would have been an even bigger win as they go to Blacksburg and beat Virginia Tech 28-7. to They're in a good spot to maybe win the ACC. Yeah. They had a great chance against number 13 Ole Miss. I think they're going to have a really good shot against a top 15, top 20 Kentucky team. But you have to stay healthy enough to not screw the pooch and lose to South Alabama or Vandy you got to have a roster where you can at least play players and go in and not ruin your chance at 6-6 six and six in a bowl game, which is a victory for Josh Heupel in year one. How are the football injuries in Memphis? Because in East Tennessee and Middle Tennessee, it's not going that well. I haven't followed Memphis yeah. as close Give this year. Give me an update on I that. Need to, I need to get with my guy Kit Hartsfield, the coach there at Memphis, and find out what's going on with their injuries. Memphis, I feel like, beat Mississippi State, and then and the, uh, they lost to Tulsa. And they lost to someone else, and I'm thinking, man, UT they, San Antonio. Yeah, and they lost bad. You know I don't care. To UT San Antonio. But the East and the Middle Tennessee, uh, football health is not going so well. It's not great. It's going to keep – you know, it's not uh, – it, it, it's more impressive what, what Heupel's been able to do just with the roster inherited. But if he's able to get this team on the mend and actually knock off a Kentucky or, or get a win down the stretch of the season here after Alabama, uh, what a tremendous uh, boost as you go into the offseason and get ready for a huge recruiting cycle. For, and and not, not just with the high schools, but in the transfer portal. You know, we don't do a lot of positive positivity segments on this show. You know, pre-produced positivity segments. It's not, right. Yeah, I'm against that. It's, it's a Tuesday, but <laughs> right. you guys want to end the show on a little positivity from Theo yeah, Jackson, let's try Tennessee new. defensive back? Try let's try new. this out. We've gone every other way. Let's try ending the show on positivity. Testing, testing. Theo Jackson today told reporters that this staff emphasizes positivity. 
It's all about teaching and not as much screaming and yelling with this group. Guys don't want to be somewhere where they get cussed out every single day. With this group, it's about teaching and having guys understand what they're talking about better. He said, you saw that in the last 55 seconds against Ole Miss. That's just us having a will to win and compete. We're going after every blade of grass because we're not constantly cussed out. Theo Jackson prefers positive reinforcement. And this Tennessee team is playing harder. However you want to slice whatever Theo happened Jackson a year ago. committed to which coaching staff? They're, they're playing harder. Butch Jones. Oh, okay. And, and then. Butch Jones preached positivity too. <laughs> and, and he read the energy bus one too many times. Hey, uh, tomorrow we'll get positive uh, reviews from VolQuest. A lot to discuss on Outkick 360. I know a show that's about to spend an hour on that weeping. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.